Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Today we're going to talk about uh, winning your race. Uh, everybody is in a race, whether you know it or not, and we want you to win your race. We want you to run your weight race. We want you to actually be doing what's, what's necessary to get to the finish line. Does everybody realize you're headed toward the finish line? Or have you taken a seat on the bench? This is get out of the bench day. This is get off your bench day. Nobody wants to ride the bench. And so uh, we're going to help you get off the bench and run the race so that, so that in 50 years or 100 years, you'll be glad you did. Yeah. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Praise the Lord. Stop there. Notice this, verse 1 again. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? Well, he's just finished with Hebrews chapter 11 of all the righteous who are now uh, recorded as faith people. We're surrounded by them. They're watching. All those who helped us get here are watching. All the faith giants are watching. All those that have passed to heaven in Christ they're, they're witnesses of us. If you care at all about people that have gone before, we could even say the Lord Jesus Christ, they're watching. Now, if somebody's watching you, don't you always do better? I mean, it makes you more nervous. But if somebody's watching, don't you kind of sharpen up a bit? If somebody's watching you, don't you do it a little bit better? Might make you nervous, but you do it a little bit better, don't you? At least you try to. Well, see, seeing that we're encompassed by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run this race better. How to do it? Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race. Lay aside every weight and every sin. You could have heard a cotton ball drop. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Okay, listen, listen. Lay aside every weight and every sin. You wouldn't run a race wearing weights, would you? You'd wear your lightest clothes, not your thickest jacket. Even if it's cold outside, you cannot run a race with a jacket on. The lightest burden you can carry is how you run your race. You have to lay aside all the weights. So how many weights are we carrying in this life? How many cares and worries are you, are you carrying as weights? Those stop you from serving God. How many fears? How much sickness? You, you could put sickness right in as a weight. 
it stops you from serving God. If you have a hindering mental problem or physical problem, uh, why don't you look at it as a weight? He said, lay it down. Why don't you lay that sickness down? I said, why don't you lay your sickness down? Why don't you lay your mental problem down? I mean, use your faith and say, I'm laying this down. If you're lazy, I'm laying laziness down. If you're mean, why don't you lay that down? If you're pessimistic, why don't you lay that down? If you're discouraged, why don't you get rid of it? At least today, why don't you lay it down, at least for today. And then tomorrow, just do it one more time. And Tuesday, do it one more time. Why don't you lay these stuff down? So this is going to take an action from your part, all right? Now, I can't just be up here motivating you. Motivation, hey, if motivation is all it took, you'd have already laid them down. If motivating you to get you to have a good life was all it took, you could have, you could have done that through YouTube videos. 30-second YouTube videos could motivate you. If motivation is what you needed, man, you'd have all done it by now. You need more than motivation. You need some revelation of how the kingdom operates. Because your victory only comes through Christ. Your victory only comes by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So you need to learn how your faith is the key for you overcoming the world, the sin, the weight. So today, I'm going to help you overcome the devil, overcome the world, and I'm going to help you overcome you. Or we can say your flesh. So your flesh is a huge weight. Some people's heavier than others. But your flesh needs to be handled. All right? And we can say your flesh is, don't just think flesh things, flesh desire. Think your self-interest. Your selfishness needs to be laid down. So we could go through all sorts of sins and bad habits and addictions that people have. You know, all the way from uh, the, the, the most severe ones like maybe pornography and drugs or something, all the way to the simplest one like Netflix and eating snacks between meals. I mean, if you're a midnight eater, we, we're talking to you. So we go through from A to Z addictions of the flesh, have bad habits of the flesh and everything in between. But rather than kind of harp on, a, on one or two, let's just say self-interest. Your self-interest, your selfishness, your self-absorbed life, everything you do regardless of others, your inconsiderate living style, all of that is what you need to learn how to lay down. And I'm going to tell you why, because if you don't understand why, you'll never do it. You'll never do the what if you don't understand the why. You need to know the reasons for things or you'll never do the things. And so we're going to go through the whys and we're going to tell you how. I'm a how-to guy. Don't just tell me to, tell me how to. Don't just motivate me toward, but tell me how I'm going to get there. Tell me the secrets. Tell me the tricks. Tell me the, the method. Tell me the system. Tell me how this works. So now I want you to bring in last Sunday's message. Remember last Sunday's message? No, you, none of you remember last Sunday's message. Short-term memory. 
Last message was instruction of how the entire kingdom of God operates. The entire kingdom of God operates from last Sunday's message. It operates under a system of rule, a constitution, a law of the land, and it's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's system is as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and he doesn't know how, but first comes the blade out of the ground, the little sprout, then comes the stalk, then comes the ear, then comes the full corn in the ear, and then comes the dinner table. And he doesn't know how, but when he sees that harvest coming, he puts the sickle in and gets his harvest. The kingdom of God operates with you planting a seed. The rest of that chapter talks about the sower sows the word and the word or sower sows the seed and the seed is the word of God. That it's a miracle that we can plant a seed that looks so insignificant, but then out of it comes a tree. Out of it comes a plant. Out of it comes something that provides shade, something that gives fruit. Out of that little tiny seed. Anybody ever planted a seed? It seemed very insignificant. But you had faith, didn't you? Because you understood that that seed has a miracle inside of it. And so what you do, you plant the seed. How many of you have a pack of seeds sitting in your garage somewhere? You got a pack of seeds in there? It's doing you nothing, no good, right? Now you believe it's there and it's good, but it's not doing anything for you until you plant it. You and I can believe the word of God is powerful all day long. But if we don't plan it, if we don't say the word, if we don't quote a scripture, if we don't declare a truth, if we don't prophesy our future, if we don't say that scripture, it's like a little pack of seeds just sitting there. You got to take one out. You got to plant it on purpose in a good spot by faith from your heart. And then it'll start working. And if you'll water it, it'll grow, and it'll grow, and it'll grow. Before you know it, you'll have a harvest. Before you know it, your life has changed. Before you know it, you're free from stupidity. I mean, free from your self-endeavor. You'll be free from yourself. You're going to have to learn the Scripture. You're going to have to plan a Scripture. You're going to have to mean it. You can be freed from sickness and disease this way. Learn the truth about healing. Plant the scripture. Say it out loud. Mean it with all your heart. Say it again. Say it again. Make a decision today. That's it. I'm laying down the weight of whatever. I've got a problem. I'm laying this down in the name of the Lord Jesus. You say it on purpose and you watch that seed grow. That's how the kingdom works. Okay. So you're going to have to apply kingdom principle into running your race. Fair, right? You can't just hope. You can't just wish. You can't just motivate self. I'm going to get motivated. Yeah, that, see how long that lasts. Self-motivation lasts uh, from January 1st to January 6th. And then your New Year's resolution is over. You're going to have to learn how to get spiritual. You're going to have to apply some spiritual principle and stick to it. And stick to it. So let me go through a couple more of these principles, then we're going to read Romans 12. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so, so easily ensnares us. 
Notice that term so easily. It says sin will so easily ensnare you. Flesh addiction will so easily ensnare you. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice God has set the race before you. God has a plan. God really actually does have a plan for your life. That race is set before you and you're going to have to do it with endurance. You're going to have to continue. You're going to have to not do this one week or one month or one year. You're going to have to endure just for another 50 years. You're going to have to endure on purpose the entire earth life. That usually gets about that many amens. It's like, I could, I could diet for a week, but man, for life? Yeah, you need to diet those things that addict your flesh. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. So you can't do this just by self-motivation. You have to look unto Jesus. You have to take your eyes off of your flesh addiction off of your sin, off of the weight. You're going to have to take your eyes off of that and put them somewhere else. You can't just close your eyes to the fact that you have problems. This is not living by faith. Looking unto Jesus is living by faith. So I've got to take whatever time I've been spending in the flesh and I've got to now fill that time gap with Jesus. Not with nothing. Not with a different flesh thing, but with Jesus. And so the only successful Christians who, who actually overcome sin, the devil, and the world are the ones that give up what is wrong and accept what is right. We can start with the Bible. You need to let go of the things that take you away from God and pick up the Bible and, and read it too. You got time on your hands. You start giving up sin and the devil, you'll have time on your hands. What are you going to do with it? Well, the men are going to come to the faith men conference. You see how that, that now takes up time from your schedule that has so much free time in it. It does. You, you have so much free time. Even if you think you don't, you got a lot of extra time and you don't want to be idle. You need to start filling it with more church time, more Christian time, more doing spiritual stuff time, more serving God, more serving people. Make sense? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he started this, he'll finish it if you'll let him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice how Jesus did it. Okay, you got to consider how he did this. He ignored the shame he had to go through. Why? Because he had a hope for the future. For the joy set before him, he did what was right. You need a hope and a future. You need to have a joy set before you. If you were to change it all, what would be the result? What are you giving up now by not laying down weights and sins? We're going to get to that in just a moment, but you need to consider and assess and calculate where am I and what am I giving up by not laying aside what's necessary. For the hope, the joy set before you, you need to lay down and change. You need to modify some things. You need to be willing. You need to consider where you're at 
and you do it with a hope. It's hard to run if you don't know where the finish line is. It's hard to run to the finish line if you don't know that there's, you know, a trophy at the end. You need to realize that if you will make some changes, uh, you will see a blessing, a potential miracle, a wonderful future. Because he said it before you, you just have to be honest about this. Many times people think they got it all under control. Well, no, I got it all under control. Yeah, Samson thought he had it all under control. Everybody around Samson could see that he had a problem with heeding uh, women, wives, being lured into stupidity. You have to read it for yourself. He, he, was, a, he was a complete dodo. <laughs> Delilah tricked him out in the open. Like several times, tricked him, several times, tricked him, tricked him, tricked him. He knew it was her, he knew it was her, he knew it was her, and he kept doing it. He was a kind of a dodo. Anyway, a strong dodo, but he was, man, don't. But again, you've done the same thing. You've continued to do the same stupid things with your life. It's time to lay aside the weights and the sins and the stupidity because it is harming you. For Samson, it killed him. Plucked his eye, got his eyes plucked out and then he had to go ahead and commit suicide killing everybody else. Sure went south quick in here, didn't it? Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You're going to have to find a way to be uh, spirit-led instead of self-absorbed. Spirit-led instead of self-obsessed. I've seen people obsess over things that seem so innocent and so good and so fine but they had obsessed to the point that they could not, or we could say they could no longer follow God. Their dream, however deceived, their dream, however unrealistic, their dream, however ancient and childish, led them to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and they made bad decisions. Got themselves completely out of the will of God for the sake of a few flesh things. So we ask, we ask that you be honest. God asks that you be honest. And that's why, you know, the scripture says, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Don't be, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you, whatever you plant, you're going to reap. And so when people plant thoughts of uh, unrealistic dreams and, and think about unrealistic dreams and think about unrealistic dreams and think about unrealistic dreams, don't be deceived. It's going to happen. So you need to make sure your dreams are in the will of God. Because if you keep planting seed about wrong dreams, man, you'll end up, you know, some weird place. Uh, sometimes it's money addiction. If you're thinking about money too much, you're growing a money uh, imaginary tree in your soul. I said, if you're thinking about money too much, it's, it's a tree in your soul. You're going to have to chop it down. It's a weight. 
And, and if you love it, it's a sin. Well, I don't love it. If you're thinking about it too much, you do love it. So sometimes money is your biggest problem. You're, the deceitfulness of riches is something that will choke out all the good word. Because in the ground of your heart, of the kingdom of God, the ground of your spirit, is where all of these thoughts and dreams get planted. And if all you're thinking about is money and riches and success and money and riches and success and career and money and riches and success, then what you have in your garden is, is not healthy for you. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. It's the beginning of all evil things. It'll keep you away from God. You can't serve God and money. You cannot serve God and unrighteous mammon or money. So if you're thinking about money then more than you're thinking about serving God, then you have missed it. It's impossible to serve both money and God. And what does that mean? It means you've been thinking on it. It means you've been planting seed. It means that I've not done this right here. Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship or your, the least you can do in the name of the Lord and for the Lord. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, so you need to not be conformed. Everybody look up here. Not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Amen. How? By the renewing of your mind. By learning. By hearing the word of God preached. You need to get your brain fixed. You need to get your mind reordered, renewed, cleaned from the ways of the world. You need to learn how to think right. The world does not teach you how to think right. Most families are not training their children how to think right. You gotta be saved, spirit-filled, and know the Bible if you're gonna be able to train your children how to think right. So you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you don't conform to the world's way. The world has given you all of your sins and all of your weights. And you're going to have to lay them down. The world has given you all of your pessimism. It's given you all of your discouragement. You're going to have to lay it down. The world has given you all of your obsessions and all of your false dreams. You're going to have to lay it down. Don't be conformed to the world. If the whole world's doing it, that's a sure sign you ought not. Make sense? You're going to have to be transformed by learning the Bible. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, so let's just talk about addiction for a second. Uh, sometimes we're, we're so obsessed that we're really addicted. If you're thinking about the thing when you're not even doing it, you're probably addicted. Uh, anytime that you're in pain or, or uh, things didn't go your way, addiction calls out. Your brain wants you to ex escape. When, you, when your flesh is in control, uh, it wants to escape all pain and discomfort. You understand? So don't make excuses. 
Because all that comfort that you get with your flesh addiction, it impacts your growth. It impacts your future. It impacts your potential because you have an unhealthy attachment to it. So maybe, maybe in the next 10 minutes, we could do an intervention on ourselves so that others don't have to. You ever heard about that? You know, you do a family intervention that you don't, don't usually work. So it would be better if you just did it to yourself without your family having to get involved. <clears throat> so here's uh, some reasons. Let's say it this way. Uh, so let's say that you have fed your, cell, fed your flesh so long that it's now an addiction. Whatever it is. It could be a food thing. Food destroys many. Too much food has destroyed many lives. Really, all flesh addictions destroy life somehow. They impact your family. They impact your physical future, which hurts your family. They impact your job. They impact your potential. So uh, we, we, let's say that all, all of your flesh addiction has grown a tree in your kingdom of God garden. The thing that you live from, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Out of the heart comes everything. Out of your spirit, man, comes your future. What you have in you is what you live. Out of the heart comes all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. So you got to plant, you got to put good stuff in so that it can grow up and give you fruit that remains. So we can say that all the negative flesh stuff that you've planted has become a tree inside your kingdom of God garden. All of the weird stuff you're dealing with it happened because seed went in and watered and watered and watered, and now it's, wow, my life's a mess. Wow, I got this problem. All right, so here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to admit that you have a problem. Number one, before we start anything, you've got to admit that you've got some crooked trees inside you. You're going to have to understand that addiction, or we could say crooked trees, <laughs> in your soul is after your destiny and your potential. It's, it's chasing it. This worldliness thing is chasing after your future. And if you want to succeed in the eyes of God, which is the most important success measurement, KPI, you're going to have to acknowledge that addiction is causing your potential to shrink. And it's hindering your destiny and it's stopping you from getting to the finish line. You're going to have to learn how to, you're going to have to decide, I might have to sacrifice some self things. Like if you want your marriage to work, you're going to have to sacrifice some self opinions. Okay, to this side. You want your marriage to, we're talking about a little bit of self-sacrifice here. We're not going to get your way. Self wants its way every day, every minute, every moment. Self wanted to stay at home this morning. Your flesh said, oh, come on. Your flesh said, please, let's do something else. And you said, no, we're going. Your flesh said, please, let's go late. You're going to have to sacrifice a little few minutes, something. And with no hope, with no future, with no reason, you know, why sacrifice a few minutes to be on time, a few minutes to serve somebody, a few minutes to pray for somebody, a few, why, why sacrifice? 
Because there's a reason for it. There's a blessing for somebody else. Somebody else? I don't have time for that. That's the problem. That's one of the biggest problems that you and I face. Why shouldn't I just eat 24 hours a day? Sacrifice for somebody else. Sure, your flesh wants it. We got it. Have a hope. Have a reason. A second reason to chop your wrong tree down is that addiction is after the lordship of your life. If you yield to selfishness and self-pleasure and self-seeking and self-ambition, then, then that is your Lord. Self is your Lord. That's it. Everybody can go home now. No, I'm only telling you the why. I'm only telling you the reasons why. I haven't even told you how to get out of it. How to, how to chop the tree down. I'm telling you why to chop the tree down. Because you want to be Lord of your life uh, with God. Or we could say your spirit man needs to be Lord of your life. Or we could say Jesus needs to be Lord of your life, not your little flesh. Your spirit needs to dominate your flesh so that your spirit can submit to the Lord. Your spirit needs to whip your flesh into shape. You don't need no gym coach. You need a spirit coach. You need your spirit to tell your flesh what to do and when to do it and what not to do and to hush. So you got you to plant right seed in your garden and pluck out all the weeds because those weeds become trees. So addiction is after the lordship of your life. Remember, Paul said all things are lawful, but, but not all things are profitable. So don't just rationalize saying, well, I can still do it. I can still do it. I can still. How much are you going to do that? Be, be careful of that. Some things are just not profitable for you. Another scripture over in, in Romans uh, 6. Oh, we're going to read that in a minute. Uh, so just pause that. So this is the why that you want to make sure Jesus is the Lord because whatever is your Lord leads you. Number three reason to chop this wrong tree down is you affect other people. You're supposed to be the salt and light of the world. How many of you are the salt and light of the world? Jesus said you're the salt and light of the world. Raise your hand if you want to be the salt and light of the world. You want to be someone who makes the world better. You're the salt and light of the world. You're supposed to be. Well, that means that you care about other people. Because if it was all about you, you don't need to be the salt and light for anybody. Just do it for yourself. I'm just shining bright for myself to see. Maybe that's pride, right? If you don't have anybody else to shine for, you're just full of yourself. Uh, there's a principle in the Bible called be an example. Jesus was an example. He said, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. Paul said the same thing. He said, join in following my example and note those who walk wrong or who so walk as you have us for a pattern. There's a principle of Christianity is that we're examples for the next. In 2 Thessalonians, he said, not because we have authority over you, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. 
All the leaders in the body are examples, and all the Christians in the body are, are examples to one another and to the sinner. We're examples. So there's a reason why you want to chop your weight tree or your sin tree down. Paul told Timothy, be an example to the believers in word and conduct, in love and spirit, in faith and purity. Christianity has a huge principle called example. Be an example. Exemplify Christ until Christ be formed in you, that you're a living epistle letter. You're a living letter of Christ. Even if people don't read the Bible, they should be able to watch you and say, wow, that must be how God lives. We can even go further and remind us of the stumbling box. Let's do it. Go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. There's this principle called the stumbling block sin, which, um, man, I hadn't heard that preached on television in a long time. Maybe never. It's not a popular message. When was the last time you heard, you know, some YouTube clip on the stumbling block sin? People want to talk about cussing, drinking, and smoking. What about the stumbling block sin? 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. But beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Sure, sure, you're not under bondage of laws. We, we can't rule your life with a law. That's why you do what you want whenever you want, don't you? Everybody go like this. You pretty much do whatever you want, whenever you want. You don't have to. You don't do it. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you, notice this, if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat, I will never eat again, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. He's talking about, he's going to skip filet mignon. Paul said, I will never eat another hamburger if it causes my brother to stumble. He's saying, I'm going to not do something that someone else thinks is wrong. If there's a big question mark over the thing I'm about to do, I'm not going to do it because it will cause my, my brother to stumble and miss God. They'll have a confusing image of God and righteousness. So if you're with people from India who think it's a sin to eat cow, don't eat the cow. You're at McDonald's with your Indian friend who you're trying to lead to the Lord. Do not order a Big Mac. You order the filet fish <laughs> Make sense? I'm considering... Now, at some point, the person gets saved, they can learn. And then, so we're not saying that you can't do it. We're not saying something weird uh, that's undue or unjust. Just be cognizant. Like if you're, around, if you're around Jewish people and you'd like to lead them to the Lord, don't eat the bacon. I'm in here all the time saying, eat the bacon, eat the bacon. Yes, 
But if you have Jewish friends around, don't eat the bacon. They think it's unclean, so don't eat the bacon. Let's get them saved and trained, and then we'll feed them some bacon. But I care, I care more about my brother's eternity and walk with God than I do my flesh comfort. You got it? We're talking about living your life with others in mind. If you're going to run this race, you're going to have to live your life with others in mind. So you can't be like the world that says, it's nobody's business how I live. As a Christian, it's a lot of people's business how you live. So if you want to uh, uncheck your box from the, the, the book of life, you can go. I'm serious about this. If you're going to try to live your life as if no, it doesn't matter what people think, you're wrong. And you're a flesh person and you're not fulfilling the will of God. I guarantee it. I guarantee you're not finished. You're not even running the race. You're sitting on the bench talking about how I can do whatever I want. You, you can. You can sit on the bench and do whatever you want. But you're not going to get the prize. So real, real Christians cannot just live any way they want regardless of other people. Well, who are they to judge me? Sit on the bench. Maybe that's a good title. Sit on the bench. Something. Take your break on the bench as long as you want. Just don't expect to win the race. Okay. We can talk about other Christian lifestyle things. If you, do you believe it's important for people to be in church? Not you, just forget you because we know how you think. What about other people? What about other people? Do you care? Do you think they should be in church to learn and grow in God? Be an example. Do you think it's important to serve God by serving people and helping the hurting? Be an example. You see how there's a lot of your, your life that's going to have to be done for an example for others. That's why you don't cuss. Look, you could cuss. Listen, you have liberty. You can cuss, but not around people. That's a bad example. And then if you really want to be close to the Holy Spirit, he's there all the time. So you have to quit cussing. If there's a question mark over the word you're about to say, don't say it for the sake of somebody else. For the sake of other people, you're not supposed to gossip. Sure, you can gossip and still go to heaven. But for the sake of other people, you wouldn't do that. And if you accidentally let a gossip slip, it would be good if you would apologize to your people. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I take it back. Forget what I said. Don't worry, we're almost done. You'll be out of here. You will escape. Praise the Lord. Some people take the liberty to never give money to God ever. Well, that's a bad example. Aren't you glad nobody knows? All right, let's go through some how to chop wrong trees. How to, how to, how to chop wrong trees. You already got some in the middle of this, but how to chop wrong trees. Number one, don't water it anymore. Stop thinking on it. Stop living behind your deceptive, uh, rational opinion. 
No more watering, then it'll die. Stop thinking on it, stop talking about it, stop focusing on your problems, your sins, your weights, all your issues, your fears, all my depressions, all my disappointments. Stop thinking about those things. Jesus knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going through. So know that you have him in your corner. He, he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He's not a high priest that's ignorant of what you're going through, but was in all points tempted like we are so that he can be a merciful and faithful high priest to us. So he's merciful towards you. Just know that you're getting mercy from God. And then the next part of that scripture says, so come boldly to the throne of grace to help, to, to get mercy and grace to help in time of need. So, so call out to God. Say, God, I need some help here. I got to have some help here. Go boldly and get some help from God. And then start cultivating your hope. Start thinking more about what's uh, in front of you. Start thinking more about your calling, more about what, you, what good you can do. Just find something good to do and think on that. I'm going to go do something good. I don't care if it's just bake a pie for your pastor. I mean, bake a pie for your, for your friend. I'm going to do something good today for somebody. I got any flour, got any sugar. Wait, we know y'all, y'all don't know how to bake with flour and sugar. Package. You need a package. Go bake something for somebody and give it to them. Uh, you, need, you need large gaps in between that weight and that sin that you keep feeding. Put some gap in there. Let's say you're, a, let's say you're I like to get up at two, two o'clock in the morning and go eat a snack. Not me, man. If I'm asleep, do not expect me to do anything functional. We have a rule at the house. I mean, it would have to be broken glass, shattering. It would have to be really an emergency to wake me up. If you hear a noise, do you deal with it? <laughs> do not touch me. Do, do not get me out of this state of sleep. That is the rule. I don't care about the pets. I don't care about the kids. Oh, we don't have any kids. I, don't interrupt me. So, but if you have a problem getting up and going to eat, well, well cut it out for three weeks. Put a gap. Just make yourself not do the thing for three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, three days. Can we go three days? Can you? Can I get a? Can I get a? Can I get a? Can I get a two? Can I get a three? Can I get a four? Can I get a five? Five, 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 six, 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 six. Ah, seven, 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 seven. Put a gap in between, and then and then widen that gap, and then widen that gap, and you'll see that all of a sudden that thing starts dying. It starts, you're not feeding it as much, so it's not going to live as strongly. That's how you do it. <clears throat> now, you are going to have to put some words on it. You are going to have to command. Now, now, flesh, you shut up tonight. I ain't getting up. Flesh, you shut up. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not gonna... If you find yourself thinking on something that's ruined your life, shut up. Shut up, devil. Shut up, brain. Shut up. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to think it. Take authority over your brain. Or your thoughts. Take every, that's taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's an action point. You have to lay aside. You have to plant on purpose. You have to reap on purpose. You have to lay aside all these things on purpose. So it does take some work from you. Like if you're coasting in the river toward the waterfall in my little canoe, oh no, I have a problem in my life. Hey everybody, I got a problem. Look, you, need, but you better... Turn that thing around, start paddling upstream, 
And I'm talking about putting some word into it, putting some word into it, planting some good seed, planting some good seed. I'm, I'm paddling away from that waterfall. There's some destruction headed my way, but I'm turning around with my words. Remember, you change the course of your life with your tongue. James chapter three says your tongue has a, is a tiny little member, but it has a lot of power to it. And it'll, it'll set the course on fire for you. Fire for good or fire for, for bad. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Okay. So stop watering. Number two, cultivate your hope. Start saying things that are right and real about the will of God. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Just pick something like I'm going to be holy. So I'm going to be holy. I'm called to holiness. I'm called to peace and holiness. Find a scripture. I'm called to peace and holiness. That settles it. Say that for seven days in a row. Say, you got to say things. Remember, you got to say things or the kingdom doesn't operate for you. Number three, you gotta, oh, number three, you got to repent from your deception and your excuses. You got to turn from dece- deceiving lies from the devil. You got to turn. And, and you got to, well, let me just read the scripture. Evil men and imposters grow worse and worse, deceiving and yet being deceived. Evil people are deceived and being deceived. Don't be that. Uh, Titus 3 says that we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, and deceived. You can't, be, you can't afford to be deceived any longer. Amen. <clears throat> Final scripture, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. So, so we're talking about separating from anything that lowers your standard, anything that tries to get lordship over you. That includes people. 1 Corinthians 15 says, don't don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. That's why on Sunday morning, you need to be hanging out with Christians. Saturday night, you'd be hanging out with Christians. All days of the week, you need to be hanging out with Christians except for when you're at work and you're trying to lead them to, to Christ. Because if you're hanging out, if you got bad friends in your life, they're going to corrupt you. You understand? You got bad friends in your, in your life, they're going to corrupt you. You're not going to really help them if you're hanging out with them. They're going to corrupt you. Isn't that right? Uh, Romans chapter six here, verse 16, Romans six sixteen. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So you're a slave of somebody, either God or your flesh. Verse 17, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. 
For when you were the slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things that you're now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become the slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and and in the end, everlasting life. Hallelujah. We're talking about being slaves of righteousness, servants of righteousness, commit to serving righteousness. People say, well, I don't know about serving at church, man. That put me on the schedule. They're not going to expect me. Yeah, we're trying to help you be a servant of righteousness, a slave of God. Serve God. Get on the calendar somewhere. You need to schedule your calendar as if you're a servant or a slave of God. Listen, when you become a real Christian, your calendar changes. Look at your friend and bump bump them with your elbow and say, your calendar changes when you're a Christian. It always goes over about that about that silently. Praise the Lord. Get around some people that are serving God. Listen, get around some people that are serving God, you'll sin less. Go play golf with a pastor, you'll cuss less. You ought to see it when I go out there and play play golf and maybe it's strangers, sometimes they they pair you up with somebody and uh, you know, about halfway through the, the four hour ordeal, hitting golf balls, chasing golf balls, looking for golf balls, about halfway through, you know, I say, hey, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? And I hate to tell them. Because once I tell them, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I pastor a church. I'm a pre- Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> they start backtracking. They start backpedaling, thinking, have a, what have I said? What have I done? What have I said? What have I done? And then they don't cuss the rest of the trip. Hang around some good people. You'll sin less. Cut out the dirt from your life. Doesn't have to be people, it could be just stuff, or it could be places, could be things, could be whatever you're seeing and hearing and all that. Just you with me? Hey, if you want to if you want your potential to come to pass, if you want your race to be finished, you're gonna have to do something. Lay aside the weights and the sins. Got it? All right, I'm gonna quote this scripture and then we're done here. Paul said this, I want this to be all of our testimony. I strive as, a, as a, my preacher part, my teacher part, to making sure that this happens for all of you. That's why we don't pull punches around here. You ever felt like, wow, they don't pull any punches. I had a guy one time, he said, boy, you don't leave us any wiggle room. And I thought, well, I guess I don't because that's how the Bible's written. The Bible doesn't give you wiggle room. The Bible calls you up pretty high, doesn't it? Like you're supposed to be kind of like Jesus, huh? Maybe exactly like Jesus, huh? Bible calls you up pretty high, and so I feel like we don't pull punches. We're not just playing games here. I'm, just, I'm not just trying to collect you on Sunday morning. See how many we can collect and trick into the building. No, I'm trying to help everybody get committed and planted in the body so that you can flourish and learn and apply and see God move in your life. Look, if you can't see God move in your life, it's all worth nothing. Might as well go to heaven. Our motive around here is to help you grow in God and learn of God so you can be closer to God so you can see him in your life. Yeah. 
With, the, with this as your end, Paul said, I have fought toward the end of his ministry. He's about done, about ready to go to heaven. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. And then he makes a little comment to some. He says, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul acknowledged somebody who left support of the kingdom because he loved this present world. Don't fall in love with this world. And if you are in love with this world, break up. Please, break up. Break up. You'll, you'll find out in 20 years it was worthless anyway. Break up with the world and serve God. Stand to your feet. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Everybody ready to break up with the world? All right, lift your hands up to him. If you're going to do anything in the name of the Lord, you've got to do it by faith. If you're going to see a miracle happen in your life, you, you must plant the seed. So let's go ahead and say it. Say, I'm breaking up with the world. I mean it. I'm breaking up with the world. I'm breaking up with the world. I'm serving God. I'm living for Jesus. I'm breaking up with the world. I'm breaking up with the devil. I'm breaking up with my flesh. I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. I yield to him. Lord Jesus, I yield to you. I'm going to serve God. Flesh, you bow. I'm not serving you anymore. I'm not going to be selfish all the days of my life. I'm submitted to the Lord. I'm led by his spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me. Thank you. Thank you, God. Save me, God. Save me from destruction. Give me grace and power to overcome the devil and the flesh and myself in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now that's a good start for you. That's a good start for you. You just plant, if you said it with your heart, you planted it in the spirit. Now tonight you say it again. Tomorrow you say it again. Mean this. Think about it. Life needs to change, but it can't change without your words. Your future can't change if you don't change the way you think and talk. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.